0: Well, I want to uh, continue a teaching I began last week called Worth Sharing. How many of you know that this gospel, this salvation we receive, is, is in fact worth sharing? Amen. It is worth sharing. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And this gospel, and let's zero in on this. The gospel is so powerful that it will bring salvation to you if you believe it. Think about this. The gospel is so powerful it will bring salvation to you. If you believe it. So let's break this down a little bit so we can really have some takeaway on this. Um, I shared with you on Wednesday night, if you were with us, one of the things the enemy tries to do is to snatch the seed of the word of God that's planted in your heart. The only time he can do that is when you don't understand. And so it, Jesus clearly said it's the, it's the word that they didn't understand that the enemy was able to snatch out of their heart. So guess what we're going after this morning? Understand Understanding. Understand it, because you understand it, it is yours. Amen? You all here? Okay. Let's talk about this. The gospel. The gospel, some people just think, well, that's the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That, that's where there's personal accounts of the gospel unfolding, becoming reality. The gospel really, in short, is this, that you and I, well, let me back up. God is holy and just and perfect, and you and I are not. And we never could be. And one day we will stand before this holy, perfect, just God to be judged. And there's nothing that you or I could do to uh, save face and to present ourselves any better. With our greatest efforts or whatever it would be, we can't do it. Our righteousness is like dirty, filthy rags. Jesus came, though, and put on flesh and came and dwelt on this earth... And moved among us and lived a perfect life and laid out the most perfect teachings that they work, folks. Whether or not you follow Jesus, the teachings still work. And then he went to a cross and became sin for us. He, he became the sacrifice that should have been us. He, he was our substitute. And he, on the cross, became sin for us. Nailed that sin to the cross. Died rose again on that third day. The Bible says he rose for our justification so that we could be just and right with God. And uh, as one writer put, he's the hero of history. He's the hero of history. Jesus came and did all of that for us out of his love. We weren't deserving of it, but he loved us anyway. And he came and he did that for us. And so let me go back and say this again. That is the gospel. And the gospel is so powerful that if you believe it, it'll bring salvation to you. So let's look a little further um, at all of this this morning. Salvation, really, um, the takeaway from it is we've been rescued. We've been rescued from ourselves. We've been rescued from what our end should be. And we've been rescued from so many things in life and out of the hands of the enemy. We've been rescued, and as a result of that rescue, we were transferred into the kingdom of God's dear Son, Colossians 1.13. And now we are, get this, I love this part, we're connected with our Heavenly Father. Where before we were separated from Him, now we're connected, Right righteousness, we're in right standing, we're connected with our Heavenly Father. That's a good thing. I'm waiting for anybody to smile on this one. And then we're headed to heaven, and we have help on earth. So what is salvation again? We've been rescued. We're connected with our Heavenly Father. We're headed to heaven. And we've got help on earth. That's pretty awesome. How did that happen? Because of Jesus. The hero of history, Jesus. Because of what he has done. That's the gospel. And if you believe the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, who he is, what he said, what he will do. If you believe the gospel, that is so powerful. That will bring salvation which is we're rescued, we're connected with our Heavenly Father. You getting this? I'm going for understanding today. We're connected with our Heavenly Father. We're headed to heaven and we have help here on earth. Amen. The gospel is so powerful that if you believe it, it'll bring salvation to you. And that is worth finding. I said that is worth finding. And that is worth allowing to come out. Uh, Colossians also talks about in Colossians 2 that you work out your own salvation. It means that it's in you and we've got we've to let it come on out and develop more. Let me try to explain that to you. Um, how many of you have any technology around your house, smartphone, whatever, that you still don't know how to fully work? How many of you still have your VCR? How many of you, your VCR is still blinking the time? 12? Because all you know is push, play, right? And a lot of people are like that with their, you know, with salvation, you know, I've got a smartphone, I've got an iPhone, and my sons will tell me, you know, get this app, Dad, you'll love this app. So I'll get the app, and then I don't remember why I got the app, you know. I got it, though. You got it? Yeah, I got it. I don't know what it does, but I got it. And you know what? Listen to me. You got it. I said, you got it. And what we have to do, then, is take the time and work this out and bring this out and find out about this great salvation. We cannot neglect so great a salvation. And uh, thank God, we we were singing it this morning. I almost want to get everybody back up and sing it again. We are saved. We are saved. We are saved. You know what we're saying? I am rescued. I am connected to my heavenly father. I'm headed to heaven and I got help on earth. Have that for a mashup, huh? Well, that's worth finding. It's worth finding out. It's worth developing. But let me take it a step further. It's also worth sharing. It's worth sharing. And we have friends and family members and people just all around us that need the good news. They need the gospel. And this is certainly worth sharing. We are not just consumers of salvation. We are. And we should be. And full blown. But we're not just to be consumers. We're also to be ambassadors. We are appointed and I believe anointed to go and to share Um, This great gospel and salvation with others And I want you to think for a moment Remember that God somehow used somebody At some point in some way to reach you Think about that for a moment Those of you that have received Jesus Wasn't there a time that at some point God used somebody in some way And they reached you You know for us our family was um, You know really kind of a mess And then a Southern Baptist pastor Driving through our trailer park Nothing wrong with trailer parks there was something wrong with our trailer park. Uh, drove past our little place and then he felt compelled by the Holy Spirit and he backed up and he pulled into our driveway and came and knocked on our door and invited us to church. And within two weeks, our whole family, we are saved. We are, I got connected with my Heavenly Father. I'm on my way. To, are you with me? And it's because somebody, somebody he became an ambassador. Somebody did that for you. Maybe it was, you know, I've heard of people, well, it wasn't a person who was through a book. Well, God used people to put that book together. Right. Or a television or whatever it would be. Or, you know, I watched Billy Graham on TV or I was there with Billy Graham or, or whatever your story was. God, some point, somehow used somebody to reach you. Amen. They were an ambassador. Are you glad they did? Yes. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And you know what? We are called to be ambassadors as well, Can I get a hearty amen out of somebody here this morning? Hey, don't forget September's coming up and that's um, uh, International Talk Like a Pirate Day. And on that day, we'll do ours, okay? So you, you be, not yet, not yet, so then it won't be special. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, saved, saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So let's look at this for a moment. It says that they were saved. Said, but how would they get? They got saved because they called upon the name of the Lord. Now let me just clear this up for you. It says everyone, anyone, whosoever. We'll call on the name of the Lord. This has nothing to do with your, your size, your economic background, your educational background, your color, your name, where you're from. It has nothing to do with any of those things. You just have to be a whosoever. Amen. And it's a whosoever or everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And then it starts this, to break this down and it, and it goes this way. And it says, so how can you be saved unless you call then? And how can you call unless you believe? And how will you believe unless you hear? And how will you hear unless somebody tells you? And how will anybody tell you unless they get sent? So let's do a little reverse engineering here for a moment. And the first thing that has to happen is somebody gets sent. And then the person that gets sent, they go and they tell. And then as they tell, someone hears. And as they hear, then they have the opportunity to believe. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They have an opportunity to believe. And then if they believe, of course, they're going to call. And then if they call, they're going to be saved. You see that? All right, now look at this. Somebody has to be sent. Somebody goes and tells. Somebody hears. They believe. They call. They get saved. Now, I'm calling you to be an ambassador. And so what is your part in all of this? Let me show you where your part is right here. It's that you and I would go and tell. And this is a key component here because if you don't tell, then they're not going to hear. If they don't hear, then they're not going to believe. They're not going to call. They're not going to be saved. And so my job this morning is right here. That in the name of the Lord Jesus, I'm sending you. In this message, the purpose of this is to help you know that you are sent by him. That you are to go and you are to tell. Are you following me? Now, some of the statistics that I shared with you last week. 95% of believers, of Christians, have never led someone to Jesus. 95% of Christians have never led somebody to Jesus. Only 2% of Christians invite the unchurched to church. And then 82% of the unchurched, that's a little over 8 out of 10, would be somewhat likely to attend church if only invited. So what you have on one side of, of this equation is you've got a whole bunch of believers that are saved and happy to be saved, but scared to step over the line and tell anybody about Jesus Or scared to step over the line or or whatever the reason would be to invite them to church. And yet on this side of the line, you've got 82% of people that say, if somebody would asked me, I probably would go. And so what we've got to do is bridge this gap somehow. We've got to bridge this. So let me share a couple of things with you. The number one most effective form of evangelism, let's stop on that word evangelism. That means to make something known, to share something, to publish, to make it known, Uh, and in this case we're talking about the gospel we're talking about the cause of jesus we're talking about salvation the number one most effective form of evangelism is and i shared this with you last week relational invitational evangelism say it with me relational invitational evangelism now this is not algebra so don't make this hard It is simply relational, invitational evangelism. It means I'm going to, let's go backwards. I'm going to make this known. I'm going to make this known by inviting some people I know. I know some people and I'm going to invite them and I'm going to make this known. Are you getting this? It's not algebra, like I said. And so there are 82% of people, studies show, that are most likely, highly likely to attend church. And he said, well, we shouldn't have to attend, you know, we shouldn't have to invite them to come to church. We should just be sharing Jesus all over the place. Absolutely agree with that. But look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. 95% of believers aren't doing that. And so the best way to do it, and I think church is just wired for it. And I'll tell you this. You get them here, I'll tell them about Jesus. Get them here. We'll sing songs. You know, if Martians came in this building, i I think that when they went back to, to the the mothership and then back to Mars, they would report back. Yeah, we checked in on Meadowbrook and it's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They sing about him. They talk about him. They pray to him. They want to be about. They want to be like him. They read his book. I'll tell them. And get them here, you know. And this is, this is the number one most effective form of evangelism in the world today. And in our culture is through relational, invitational evangelism. Well, let's, keep, let's keep going with this. Because there's still reasons, objections, excuses why people won't invite. Why people won't, uh, uh, you know, share about this. And I think the first one, obviously, is fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. But the reality is... the the statistics show you're probably not going to be rejected. It's only one in five that would have have, uh, a a predisposition towards rejecting you. And so that would be the first one. But rather than address that one directly, I want to go to a, a second thing that I think will help you with this. And one of the reasons or excuses that we don't share this gospel or invite people to church would be this. Well, I'm not all that I should be. I'm not all that I should be. Okay, let me ask you a question then. And who is? Well, I don't have it all together. Let me ask you a question. And who does? And people aren't really expecting that you have it all together in that way. You know, you don't have to be a pro golfer to tell somebody, hey, I just took up golf and I really like it. I just had a lot of fun. And they say, well, what did you do? Well, I hit the ball. Was it good? No, but I hit it. That was fun. You know, and for me, if you're a person like me, golf is, is my life. I golf at least once or twice a year. And part of that is a golf pro that I spent some time with, he, he said, um, Gilligan, let me give you some advice here. He said, I want, you to, I want you to rest. I want you to lay off for two weeks. And I just want you to quit altogether. And that'll fix it. But listen, you don't have to be a golf pro to tell somebody, man, I really like golf. Like You don't have to be a chef to, to tell people, hey, I made this little thing the other day and it was so good. Are you hearing me? Amen. You don't have to have it all together. Matter of fact, I recommend that you don't in any way project perfection. Amen. I think a lot of times when I was coming up, I was around a, a number of religious people who try to project perfection. And First of all, it's a turn off. Second of all, it's unattainable. And I think it scares people because people know where they're at and they're saying, you know, and they hear a person say, give your life to Jesus. And, and it's amazing to me, the people that project that they have it all together and know everything, they have to change their voice. <laughs> but don't, don't even try to project perfection because that's unattainable. And don't do this either. Don't worry about the fact that you don't know all the answers. Don't, don't worry about that fact that you don't know. I think if you tried to say that you did have all the answers, that's unbelievable. I can remember growing up, honestly, asking some pastors and different things. I'd ask them a question. And they would do this. Well, these things are the deep things of God. <laughs> Beyond your years. And even at 13 years of age, I'm thinking, "He don't know, you don't know nothing." <laughs> Are you hear me? Yes. And so, if people ask me stuff, you know, it's it's actually endearing and disarming, to you know, to just tell them, you know, I, I don't I don't know, but I'll I'll try to find out. I, I go to Publix or Walmart or wherever else, and it's amazing the questions you'll get being the pastor. So typically, the way I handle that, people ask me a question. I go, "These are the deep things of God." <laughs> no, I don't. I get, you know, I, if I know, I tell them. If I don't know, I say, you know, I'll try to find out. In John chapter nine, there was this uh, young man, and he's blind from birth. Jesus came his way. It's always good when Jesus comes your way. And he spit. Into the clay, and he made a paste and he put it on the guy's eyes. And he said, I want you to go wash this off in, in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And he said, Go in and wash this off, and he did, and he got his sight back. And all these people, they saw him every day because he was blind from birth. You can read all about this in John chapter 9, not now, later. And it, create no, it created no small stir because they're like, That's not the guy that was blind. That, just a guy who looks like him because there's no way that he could now see it's an unbelievable thing and then they asked his parents is that him yeah that's him then the pharisees the religious people these are the guys who go these all those guys they 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 get involved they start a whole inquiry and they're calling witnesses. They're interrogating this guy. They pull his parents in. They go back and ask him again. And they say, You know, this can't be right. It can't be of God because it happened on the Sabbath. God forbid anything good happen on the Sabbath. And they said, Surely this man who, quote, healed you, he was a sinner and he's not of God. And they're asking him all these things. And then finally he says this in John 9 25. He said, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind. And now I can see. And so people are going to ask you questions because there have been movies and books and all kinds of things written to discredit Jesus and discredit the gospel. And you got some big brains and and smart people and secular TV and just all these things discrediting Jesus. So when you go to share Jesus, probably along the way you're going to get somebody to ask you some questions. And you know what? The reality is you can only answer what you know. And so you can just say, you know what, I, I don't, I don't know about all that, but I, I do know, I do know this. I, I used to be really angry and full of shame, and now I'm free and I'm and I'm clean. I feel clean. Or you can say, you know, I, my life was a real mess. I was in a tough, tough place, and I can't even tell you how he did it, but he's brought me out, or he's, he's bringing me out. I don't know about all these things, but I tell you what, I. What I do know. And, and I don't know the answer to that. But you know what? I used to be really depressed and fearful. And now I, I got peace. That's all you need to know is your story. Because I'm going to tell you something. A man with an experience. Is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And so what. You don't have to project perfection. You don't have to perfect it. Or, or project that you know it all. Because we don't know it all. But I am this morning unashamedly. Encouraging you, challenging you, sending you to go and to talk to people. You do it all the time. How many of you have ever talked to people? (laughs) And I'm and and we're going to turn a corner on this this morning. Typically, what do you talk about? You talk about what's important to you, what's going on in your life, something awesome that's going on. That's what you talk about. You know, we we ran into people. We were just talking to somebody and they found five kittens. And they had pictures of the five kittens. And they've rescued the kittens and they're, you know, they're all excited about that. And I think that's an awesome thing. Okay? But there's, it's whatever you're excited about. And I think that something needs to happen so that this is real deal on the inside of us. So it's easy for us to talk about. So it's easy for us to talk about. So if we're going to tell somebody, if we're going to invite somebody, it works really this way. And let me just give you this Formula, so to speak, real quick. First thing you need to do is you just need to pray. Pray. God, I know this is right. This is worth sharing, and I want to be able to share it. So, would you help me? And would you set up a circumstance for me? Would you show me the right time? Do you think He'll do it? Oh, yeah. It'll amaze you how easy it is and how He'll do it. And then the second thing you need to do is you need to be led. Be led. Don't just bulldoze over everybody. Come over here. Hey, come over here. I want to tell you about Jesus. You know, don't do that. Let Jesus set it up. Let the Holy Spirit guide and arrange everything. And then you just be led. And then you'll you'll Holy Spirit lead me. And you'll know the time. You'll know the words. It'd be amazing to you how He'll set it up. And then the other thing you need to do is you need to invest in people. And by that I mean give them some time. Give them some attention. Give them some focus. Slow down a little bit. Show some interest in some people. And when you do that, they're going to be much more open when you finally get around to doing this. And that is when you invite. Invite. Now, let me let me move on here. The gospel is to be both seen and heard. The gospel is to be both seen and and heard. And the reality is people are probably paying more attention to what you are doing than what you are saying. I believe it was D.L. Moody said this, preach everywhere you go and when necessary use words. And so it is our life this does not excuse us from inviting. This does not excuse us from all of those things. But we've got to realize that the gospel is to be both seen and heard. Because it's possible, hear me, it is possible that if we're living in a way that's not congruent with what we're talking about, our words to them have no weight. They don't carry at all. Sometimes people can't hear what you're saying because of how you're living. And not just how you're living, but how you're living. The condition of your life. Not so much are you behaving or not behaving, but the condition of your life. And we'll talk about this. There has to be a connection. And I believe that we have a responsibility. Hear me. We're never going to get it all together. We're never going to have all of the answers. But we don't use that as a cop-out. Listen, we have responsibility. Say responsibility. You have a responsibility to grow in your salvation. To the place that you become a credible, a believable Natural ambassador of this good news. A number of years ago, I went into a—it's a, like a nutrition, vitamin, health food kind of store. I was looking for some vitamin supplement kind of things, and I, and I went in there, and the little bell rings on the door, and you come in, and there's like nobody in there. And so I'm looking around. And I thought, well, I'll just go. And then all of a sudden, from behind one of the counters, I hear this—this this horrible cough. <laughs> And then this voice, can I help you? And I thought, Yoda? And this little 80-pound woman come around. We're here for your health. And I thought, can I help you? Call somebody for you? Here's the thing: it just didn't connect for me. Are you hearing me? It didn't. It didn't connect for me. Health, nutrition, and for her to be representing that at least on that day. And you know, this would be like the guy who has the worst yard in your entire subdivision. I mean, just horrible. Wandering around giving yard tips to everybody. You know, it really worked if you did that. You know, it really worked if you get out of my yard. You know, kind of. <laughs> kind of thing don't try to project perfection or I know it all or I've got all this together here's here's where I'm after this where we're going this morning there should be it's not just what we would say it's how we live and there should be and I want you to get this there should be and I I phrased it this way on purpose there should be mounting evidence mounting evidence of this salvation in your life. I mean, it should be noticeable to other people without you ever saying a word. Should you say a word? Yeah. But it should be noticeably evident. Get this again. Mounting evidence of this salvation in your life. And I want everybody to please hear me on this. Let's look at this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9 this will be familiar to a lot of you. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast. Look at it again. For by grace, you have been, what? Saved. saved. That's salvation. Salvation came to you by grace. Let's, let's look at this. Because if there should be mounting evidence mounting evidence that there's salvation in my life. Do you understand what I'm saying with it? It should become increasingly more evident that there is a salvation in your life. Well, let's look at where salvation came from. And it says for by grace. Out of God's grace. Let's start right there. For by God's grace. What is grace? It actually is it's kindness. Follow me. It's goodness. It's generosity. I think if that's where salvation came from, that should be found in people who have salvation. They should be kind. They should be kind. There should be some goodness in their life. There should be some generosity in their lives. Are you hearing me? For by grace are you saved through, through faith. Faith is positive. Faith is overcoming Faith is can-do. I think if there's some salvation, mounting evidence of salvation in your life, you should be kind of positive. You should have some overcomer in you. You should have some can-do. You shouldn't be the griper at the gas pumps. You shouldn't be, our whole country's going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. Wait, Bless God. Bless God. And there are people that call themselves by the name of the Lord. And I'm not seeing grace. I'm not seeing faith. And you know what? Somebody come up graceless and faith, faithless representing Jesus and tell me about Jesus. I don't want to hear it. That didn't make any sense at all. But I think there should be goodness and kindness and generosity and positive and can do and overcoming. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. What happens when somebody gives you a gift? Yeehaw. I just celebrated my anniversary, my birthday, Father's Day, and my wife and my kids and the you know, family just gave me stuff. And you know what? More than ever before, I got to tell you one of the feelings I had besides happy was humbled. It was just a humility. You know, my, my daughter to take some of her hard-earned money and to buy me some. I like, no, don't, don't. But love compelled her to give. And when you and I receive a gift, it's humbling. I think believers should be humble. I'm so tired of cocky preachers and cocky Christians. We need to be like the one that we serve, and there needs to be some humility in our life and some happiness in our life. I mean, you get a gift, you light up. And you've been given a gift. And I think we should light it. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Watch this. It's not works. That means you shouldn't be striving. You shouldn't be uptight. You shouldn't be all stressed out. Listen, you didn't get yourself in. You're not going to keep yourself in. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. It's, it's God who did this. So none of us can boast. you still here. And go a little bit further. Psalm 27 verse 1. says the Lord is my light and my what? Salvation. Salvation. What are we looking for? Mounting evidence of salvation in your life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Listen to Psalm 37, 39. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their what? Strength in time of trouble. This is the other thing. I think that people who have mounting evidence of salvation in your life have strength in their life. And when you have strength in your life, you know what? You're not afraid. And if you get afraid, you don't stay afraid. And if you strengthen your life, you have some endurance. You have some strength in your life, you have some confidence. You have some strength in your life, you're going through something, we'll get through it. Because you have some strength in your life. And then in Psalm 51... Verse 12, King David, he had sinned royally, and I'm not making a pun there, but he had sinned in compounded and and horrible ways. And when he's confronted by the prophet, and then he repents before God, and Psalm 51 is a place you need to know your way to in the Bible because it's a wonderful prayer of repentance. And in a crucial point in this prayer of repentance, he prays this in Psalm 51, 12. He says this, Restore to me the... Joy of your what of your salvation, you know what that says to me that probably one of the core elements of joy uh, of salvation is joy. One of the core elements of your salvation is joy in your life listen if we 're to have a believable message, if this is even worth finding and developing in our life, let alone worth sharing, there had better be some mounting evidence in your life and in my life that there is in fact an incredible salvation that Jesus has brought to us by the good news, by what he has done for us. And I think it's time, if our message is really going to be heard, if people are really going to accept an invitation, they're going to need to see some mounting evidence in our life that there's some goodness, there's some kindness, there's some generosity, there's some humility, there's some positive, there's some some can-do, some overcoming, uh, happiness, strength, joy. These things should be in our lives. And you know what? When you don't see those things in somebody's life and they say they represent Jesus, something doesn't connect. You know, that's like a guy shows up in a wrinkled uniform and a bent up star and a hat that doesn't match and a plastic gun. And he tells you he's the police. You could take him. And it's time that we're real deal. Are we ever going to get this all together? No. Not on this side of it all. Are we ever going to know all the answers? No. Never on this side of it all. But there should be some progress. There should be some mounting evidence that I've received something very real. And I want to encourage you in this. Celebrate and grow in your salvation. This word comes to mind. Relish your salvation. And enjoy your salvation. And we're going to be talking more about this next week as well so that it continues to grow. And I know I've said this, but I'm going understanding this morning that there is mounting evidence in your life and in my life that there is salvation in our lives. As that happens in this salvation, which ultimately means this. I've been rescued. I'm connected to my Heavenly Father. I'm headed to heaven. And I have help on earth. And when real deal salvation is growing in our life, Then we become a credible ambassador that people would believe. And we live in it even before we say it. And then when we say it, they believe it all the more. And here's the deal. Somebody's got to be sent so that someone can go and tell. Because if you don't tell, then they're not going to hear. But if you tell them, they'll hear. And maybe they'll believe. And if they believe, they'll call upon the name of the Lord. And if they call upon the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. Amen. And this is worth sharing. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Amen. Thank you. Lord.